Today on Locked On Longhorns, we break down the postseason SI-99. You are Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked on Longhorns, the show. Jonathan Davis, your host. Today's episode of Locked on Longhorns brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online, where the game starts. John Garcia Jr. joining me today. John Garcia Jr., the creator of the SI99. And before we get into the actual players on the list, the eight Texas signees and, and where they fall, I want you to just talk about how was it doing the postseason SI99 this year while also being, you know, the father of a newborn, right? I know that was challenging. So just talk about how this postseason SI-99 came about. Yeah, a lot more virtual scouting this year, right? A lot more a lot more computer links and uh, YouTube clips and huddle links and all that fun stuff. Totally different. Um, I'm very much a hands-on type of evaluator. I want to go see kids in practice, you know, their body language during games. You know, th- those things create a little bit of benefit of the doubt or lack thereof that really only a game or practice and in-person evaluation can measure. But naturally, family first, so a lot of a lot more phone calls, relying on some other folks that, that really help us and, and do a great job in their own right, and then, of course, relying on, on technology on top of it. We did get out late in the season to some games, and obviously Under Armour Week we were there, so we did get a fresh impression on you know the Jontae Cooks of the world just to kind of validate what we had seen in the preseason list. But, yeah, it was a lot more piecing together at the end of this cycle compared to the last few, no doubt. Uh, that that was a bit of a challenge, but you just make time. You just make time whenever you can. Takes a nap, go jump on the computer as opposed to joining him for that nap, which was basically my plan at the beginning of uh, of his life. Yeah, so before we get into, like I said, the eight Texas signees, I have to give you your flowers because I believe that you were the only person or outlet that had Dante Moore as the number one quarterback in the country. And that All-American Bowl might have validated it. I was watching it. I'm like, yeah, John Garcia had him over Arch Man, and I can't even argue with him. Like, I, I, was, I was about to text you, like, yeah, he the one. Like, he looks like he could play as a true freshman. Like, Dante Moore, he's really good. But speaking of Dante Moore, most people have Arch as either the number one or number two quarterback in the country. You have Arch Manning as your ninth overall player in the SI-99, and your third-ranked quarterback behind Dante Moore was committed to UCLA. And then Nico, you can say his last name for me. I don't want to butcher it. Iamaliava who is committed to Tennessee ahead of Arch Manning. What went into that decision? Oh, man, it was it was razor thin. And it was the same in the preseason. I, I think Arch had a better case in the postseason ranks because of what we saw this year. Not only was he dealing with even more pressure and scrutiny and eyeballs and all of those things, but they changed their offense at Newman. And he had a big role in executing that offense. Um, so there was probably a time where he might have – snuck outside of the top 10 overall but he actually moved up to to number nine for us because he really commanded that that more modern spread offense and it was a better one-to-one sample of what we're going to see with him at texas uh so i think that was huge for him to embrace and still be incredibly productive show off the legs at at given times and compete despite let's be honest not having the pieces around him that you would expect in the city of New Orleans compared to some of the other programs. So as much as he might be knocked by others because of of a lack of talent in the teams he faces, 
he also doesn't have those guys around him at the same high clip. So kind of holding that team up almost on his own, not always on his own, but almost on his own, it, it still says a lot over four years uh, of that, uh, especially with that modern offense. So I thought Arch did everything he could um, to elevate his own stock. But look, this year, is, it's, it's quarterback heaven. There's any type of quarterback you like, J.D., this class had it, uh, and even variations of some of those types of quarterbacks. So for us with Dante Moore, it's just the floor, man. He just does everything so well. And like you said, it's like you can give him the ball today at UCLA and you feel like he's going to go out there and throw for 280 yards and complete 60% of his passes. And there's just not a lot of guys that we feel that convicted about from both an experience and an in-person standpoint and setting. And with Dante, every time we saw him, he was the best quarterback we saw, whether it was OT7, Elite 11, high school games. You know, he won two state titles his last two years. And like you mentioned at the All-American Bowl to wrap it up, he was still the best player, Um, not only quarterback, but player on the field. He just has a different level of command to me than all the other quarterbacks in this class. And again, he's just shown up at every single setting. And that's the one thing we don't get with Arch, right? It's we don't get the one-to-one comparison on the same field. No All-American Bowl, no Elite 11, which is fine. He's he's going to be the highest ranked player ever to not do all of those things, but we still have to value the things that we've seen. So for that, Dante got the benefit of the doubt. And then with Nico, it's the total opposite. He's just so intriguing from a, and a length and athleticism and arm talent standpoint, 6'5", 6'6", huge arm, long legs. He can run, but we don't know. We just don't know what he's going to be. So for him, it was much more of a contrast. You know, Dante Moore and Arch Manning maybe have the highest floors at the position. And I think Iamaliava has the highest ceiling. He's one that it wouldn't surprise me if he redshirted this coming year and took another year or two to develop. But once he develops, I think he could be kind of like the guy he might replace in Tennessee, Hendon Hooker, where three, four years down the road, you're like, I can't believe this is the guy who has emerged. I I scouted Hendon Hooker in high school. I did not think he would be a Heisman top five guy one day, no disrespect. Uh, So once you develop, I think you've got a bit of a higher ceiling. And I do take into consideration where these kids are going. I know that's not popular among evaluators. Hey, evaluate the player, not where he's going. But that matters so much in college, especially at quarterback. So I think the system at Tennessee is going to enable him to fit and hit the field a little bit earlier than he would at an Alabama or at another school where it just feels like there's more that goes into the offense than what Tennessee has been able to to put on tape the last couple of years. So uh, those were some of the factors. So with Dante, the floor was too strong. And with with Nico, the ceiling was too high. But again, Arch was absolutely in that conversation. For sure. You ranked Malik Muhammad as the 17th best player overall in the country, while his composite ranking has him down around 41st. Um, so why are you so high on Malik Muhammad compared to other outlets? He he can do anything at, at corner. Uh, I've, I've seen him. He was another one we got to validate at, at the Under Armour week after loving him on tape for the last couple of years. The tape is great. The tech is great. The speed is great. The ball skills are great. And all of that was emphasized in person in Orlando. So that one could be a little bit of recency bias. And he wasn't he wasn't the most successful corner out there in terms of wins and losses. Right. If you just lined up all the guys, all the one on ones, 
he probably would have been second or third uh, to some other guys. Uh, and one of them was ranked higher, Komani McLean. But I think what makes Malik so intriguing is that when he wins, you kind there's a wow factor. There's a flash within those wins. And what, what the NFL and college football has taught us is that those, those guys will even things out as time goes on. So initially it might just be those wild plays, but the technique and the polish that's going to come along with the athleticism he shows in those wild plays is going to come together at some point at the collegiate level. So in a great corner class, just like the quarterbacks, he's one that we're kind of doing the Nico thing. We're like, I'm betting on this ceiling. I think he develops into a legitimate shut down uh, cover corner who's going to wow along the way, especially early in his Texas career. And again, we take the schools into consideration as well. Texas is going to bring in a lot of DBs. We're going to have an opportunity to see the field a little bit early, even if they're not quite technically sound and ready to go. And oftentimes athleticism and ball skills at that position can blur some of those margins. And I think he's one to bet on because of that. Cedric Baxter comes in at number 22 on the list, while Ruben Owens, Texas A&M commit, and Richard Young, Alabama commit, are 30th and 31st, respectfully. What separated Baxter from the other running backs in this class, in your opinion, as Cedric Baxter at number 22, your highest-ranked running back in the SI-99? This running back battle was just like the quarterbacks. Those same three. It's the same three guys that we were looking at preseason and throughout the 22 season and beyond, there, there was just – no hole in Baxter's game. I think you could nitpick and find them in Young and find them in Owens, and they're probably the opposite of each other. I think Young compact downhill, giving the ball right now at Alabama. Just I don't know about third down with him, uh, although he did improve a little bit in 22. And then with Owens, modern space, excellent receiver. You could probably line him up at at the slot right now at Texas A&M and get a little bit of that Devin A. Shane type of versatility but I'm not sure he's built to carry the ball 20, 25 times in the SEC. With Cedric Baxter, I'm not worried about the workload. I'm not worried about third down, and I'm certainly not worried about what he's doing with the ball in his hands coming downhill. So I, I love that about him, and all of those things are true despite said being the least experienced running back of the three. This is a receiver a defensive player early in his high school career. So he already surpassed these guys with less time uh, at his back. And, and he did so also at Edgewater High School being the guy. Loaded boxes. Everybody knew he was getting the rock, and he still produced like, I don't know, 1,900 yards and, and was, was, was wowing along the way. Uh, and he's also the best pass-catching running back in the class, despite being one of the biggest running backs in the class. Just a, a stat we – we haven't talked about that since the Najee Harris class of, of 2017. That was really hard to rank with Cam Akers and, and some of these other great players. Yeah, we're talking Jonte Cook. John Garcia Jr. has him at the third best receiver in the country. Next, betonline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from pro football to college bowl season to basketball in the World Cup. We've got it all at betonline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can even find those at betonline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, so head to the website today. Here's your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. So as I said, John T. Cook, John, is your third highest rated receiver and the second highest non-slot receiver. I think you have Brandon Ennis and then John T. Cook second and then Zachariah Branch, I think, is your number one slot receiver. So John T. Cook, third overall, while most sites have him as the sixth to eighth best receiver 
in the country. What excites you about Jonte Cook at the next level? Uh, we talk about the modern fit at a lot of positions, and I don't know on this this Texas roster. I mean, he he fits the modern game just so well. Explosive, dynamic with the ball in his hands to where you can create gadget plays for him. But on top of that, J.D., polish, great, elite route runner, physical route runner, despite not being the biggest cat out there. And that's another thing we really got to see and, and live and breathe with him at Under Armour Week. Um, just emphasized all of the polish while still profiling so darn explosive with the football. Um, so much so that we were we were struggling more, not with how high to rank him. He was going to be top three for us. But whether or not we rank him as a slot or a traditional wide receiver, and he was really the only guy in that conversation. So again, you talk about fitting the modern plan, line him up anywhere on the outside. Heck, you can line him up in the backfield. He showed a lot of toughness and grit and physicality on the field this year at DeSoto. They won a state title uh, in the process. Jonte Cook really became, for me, a flash guy last year who developed into an all-around he can do everything type of wide receiver. The ball skills have always been good. And, and when you see him in person, and this is seven on seven track football, Under Armour stuff, the competitiveness oozes out of him on top of it. So when you already fit the modern day positional traits like perfectly, and then you're kind of a, a dog on top of it, you've got that competitive vocal nature to, to demand it of yourself and your teammates simultaneously those are my kind of players. Those are the guys that I want on my roster. So uh, that's why we're probably higher on Jonte than others. Derek Williams might be the least talked about great player in this recruiting class coming in at number 38 on your SI 99. I know you love your DBs and I know you love Derek Williams. How do you project him at the next level? Oh man, just big balanced, ready to go. I think he's ready to go right now. You could see him coming off the hash making plays at the third level without a lot of imagination. He physically looks ready for the collegiate game at what 6'2, 190 pounds or so. And then he's got this, this ability to come down in the box, help you with your underneath coverage, run man to man with tight ends or slot receivers, which is not something we could say of a lot of safeties. And he could also support the run game. So I, I just think he's balanced. The floor here is really sky high for Derek. I, I think in most cycles, he'd probably come out as the number one safety. We just had some really impressive guys ahead of him, just a couple. I mean, Caleb Downs might have been the best football player in America this year. Uh, and then Peyton Bowen, he's he's kind of in that high-ceiling Nico Iamaliava territory where it's like, man, when he is on, it looks different and feels different. Uh, so he, he's got some innate qualities that are, are willing – that for us are we're willing to bet on. But, again, in terms of comfort and more of a classic true safety – I love what Derek Williams bring, and, and, I, and I like what you said. He's probably the best player we don't talk enough about, and I think that's a good thing. I think that's an indicator of everybody thinks he's good. We know he's good, and he's coming in you know, to UT. So it's, it's unanimous at that point, not as polarizing and, and discussion-worthy. So I think that's actually a compliment to Derek Williams, and I expect big things from him as well. So in the preseason SI-99, you had Darion Gallette ranked ahead of Anthony Hill. And even with Darion Gallette missing his senior season, Gallette still came in at 51 and Hill came in at 52. I'm kind of splitting hairs here, but he still came yeah. in one spot ahead of Anthony Hill. So what went into that decision? Another nitpicky one for us where it was conventional versus modern. I think five years ago, Anthony Hill would have been the higher ranked player. 
we, we know what he is. He's he's a classic interior linebacker that's going to come downhill and strike you. He'll command your defense and play within his responsibility. With Gillette, there's just so much untapped potential. You know, he, he's a mold of, of clay that you can create almost and, and put him anywhere. Uh, and the fact that we didn't get fresh tape of him only emphasized how we were, were betting on the ceiling with Gillette. And, and I think he's he's got this explosiveness uh, at the second level that you just can't teach. Uh, and that's why he got the slight nod. I think he's a modern player that on three different downs, he might be asked to do three different things as opposed to Hill, where on three different downs, he might line up in the same exact spot and be great at it, but he's probably going to stay in the same exact spot in that processing. So that was the the real nitpick between basically putting those guys uh, right next to each other. You have Colton Vasek as a top 99 player in the country, which would indicate that you were higher on Colton Vasek than most other outlets. So what do you love about the Westlake Edge product? There, there's always been a great frame, uh, athletic foundation, and, and motor with his game, but he really upped it as a senior. Um, you're, you're talking a great program, right, Austin Westlake, where he's already won. He's already been a double-digit sack guy. He just increased all of those factors while facing more contention, more double teams, more tight ends trying to chip him, and he still found a way to make a huge impact, increase his sacks by almost 50%, which is kind of unheard of for elite pass rushers. Usually you kind of hover around the same mark. He hit a much higher mark. He had more tackles for loss and more overall tackles, which is where I think he took the biggest stride in his game is actually setting the edge. You know, we can fall in love with sack numbers and and production in that regard, but more total tackles and the tape matches this shows us that he was more comfortable within his technique to actually set the edge, shed the block and go make the conventional tackle, which isn't as sexy, but it's just as important in, in terms of building your defense and for him increasing his value. So we feel real comfortable about that one. And, and the crazy thing with him is he's only going to get bigger and stronger. And that frame is going to fill out more while those traits will only be enhanced when he gets to Texas. So he's one that we like short term and especially long term. All right, we're doing way better on time than I thought, so I'm going to go a little off the menu here. I apologize, John. <laughs> You're good, man. Uh, Ryan Niblett was in your preseason SI-99. He was not in your postseason SI-99. What went into that decision? Just other guys, more, more than Ryan. Um, you know, we, we try positionally, we try to keep it in the same ballpark, preseason, postseason. So if there's going to be movement, it's got to factor in with guys either dropping the ball a little bit or others – just kind of stepping above them. There were a few receivers that we added to the 99 that weren't in that preseason mark, and Niblett was kind of just a casualty there. Um, He wasn't bad by any means uh, during All-Star Week. We like what he brings to the table. I thought, you know, he showed a little bit more on tape than in person, but again, it was more about the other players that just kind of vaulted over him. Still like him. I think he's a great slot addition. I think him and Jonte Cook together are, are going to move around. And, and DeAndre Moore was right in that conversation too. He's one that was either going to vault Niblet or be right under him. So they were both right, right in that conversation in, in the 90s to each make it. Uh, didn't work out that way there in the end, but it was nothing Niblet did to, to knock our evaluation of him. We really like him. I think he's going to be a, a, a nice contributor for texas down the line but here's the other thing you're starting to stack up a lot of great receivers so it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out just within these class of 2023 signees because obviously cook was in the 99 and and, and niblet and more were right there on the bubble simultaneously and they all 
are in that same like 5'11 to 6'1 body frame. Uh, so that's going to be interesting to see play out as well. Yeah, I was really excited to ask you this question, but you might have just answered it. Eight Longhorn signees, major SI-99. If there was a ninth signee to make the list, who would it be? Say if it was a SI-125, right? Who would be the <laughs> who would be the next Texas Longhorn to make it that didn't make the SI-99? Yeah, it would have it would have either been more or Tausilia Kana. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. he's another one that kind of like Colton Vasek really upped the production, won a state title. I think it was their first state title up up in Utah, and he was the focal point of that defense. He he made similar strides to Vasek, but we bet on Vasek a little bit more for this exercise because of the frame. I think Akana is still really slim. It's going to maybe take him a little bit more time to round into that Big 12 and eventually, especially SEC form physically, as opposed to Vasek, who's a little bit closer from a height and weight standpoint. But Akana was one that we were very high on from, from a 99 standpoint, who really, really had a nice senior season. Uh, I think he was Max Preps All-American. I mean, he really broke out at the right time and that's why that recruiting win over oklahoma in particular what was even bigger uh, from the texas standpoint but bringing those two guys in together akana and vasic is, is really fascinating and, and they project similarly in my opinion yeah the si 99 put together by yours truly john garcia jr make sure you go check that out john garcia jr joining locked on longhorns once again your daily number one source for all things texas athletics part of the locked on podcast network your team every day hook them peace